0: I, I am sure I'm not alone in this, but do you, do you have that one friend uh, who likes to argue to the point of absurdity? Uh, yeah, more than one? <laughs> you know, the, the friend that, that seems to take kind of an argument and, and keeps it going and, and then goes to the lengths and the, the places where it's no longer worth really engaging anymore. Do uh, you just kind of have to walk away? Uh, kind of as I'm thinking about that right now, I might be that for some of you. Um, the Sadducees are certainly that for Jesus in this text. They are going to the place and to the point of absurdity. Uh, they're, not, they're not just asking a simple question. They want to go to the absolute absurd as kind of a, what we would consider a philosophical argument in order to prove some sort of point and to trick him. And they, they fully in their hearts believe that they have got him on this. So it's not even just asking the question of what of this woman that maybe had a husband that died and, and, and then she remarried again. No, she had seven. And so who of the seven is her husband in the resurrection? Who is it that that's going to do that because then if you ask seven you know you can get to the finer uh, parting of hairs or maybe the favorites or the one that cooked the best or, or that hunted the best and and go down all of these lines as to which husband was going to be the one in the resurrection this is absurd <laughs> and let us be frank about that there's no real point when we come to the actual true and real things in life of going in such a direction when talking to Jesus. But the Sadducees seem to be not getting that picture. The text actually does a pretty good job of already setting up up your understanding of who the Sadducees are. And just as a refresher, uh, the main difference between the Sadducees and the Pharisees is what? Resurrection, right? The Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection. You remember the Sunday school song. They're called the Sadducees. Because they are sad, you see. You know, without the resurrection, that's where you're at. So the, the Sadducees are in that place where they have come in their infinite knowledge. In all of their realistic way of looking at the world and thinking, it cannot be possible for there to be a resurrection. The scripture is untrue in its uh, of prophesying about the resurrection. So therefore, there will be no resurrection. These are Enlightenment people before the Enlightenment happened. They're very sure of themselves and they have uh, gathered the worldly thoughts around them and let the worldly thoughts then help them understand godly things. Let this be a warning to all of us that this is not the way to go about things. So the Sadducees uh, come and asking their absurd question and they want that to... uh, to prove their point that what we have right now, this life that we have is the life that we have. And so our job during this time is to live it to the fullest. And this might be surprising to you because this is certainly one of the many things that we hear in the world the most today and to find that they were talking about that same thing back then. It must be on to something when they say there is nothing new under the sun. The Sadducees are making that point with Jesus. That's what they want to get at, and they go to the absurd to do it, that right now is what you have, and therefore everything that you are depends on right now, and everything that you do, that's the legacy you leave behind, leave behind and that's how you live on. Because there is no eternal life. And there is no resurrection of the dead, which is our eternal life. They've fallen into this thinking of the world. They've fallen into the ways that many people find to try and motivate themselves. For we know in our political landscape, in our work landscapes, in our family, there is no greater motivator than fear. And when you think like that, when you believe like that, you are motivated to leave something behind and to make the most out of every second that you have. But fear can never build structure. It always implodes on itself, much like the argument of the Sadducees. The world often wants to pull us in that direction. It wants us to live and to think that way, that all I have is right now, and when you are that way, who is your focus of living right now? Yeah, me, myself, and I. You! All your decisions, all your time, all your ways of going about life have to do with you because this is all you have. This is all you will go with. This is all there is. C.S. Lewis, and and I've said this quote before, but it's always worth repeating maybe hundreds of times, gets at this point very uh, eloquently, and that's why we quote him and not me. (laughs) We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with our drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. The Sadducees are thinking of eternal life to be like right now. Their misunderstanding of what the offer is to have a resurrection of the dead. They're not understanding of what is meant by the offering of eternal life. They want their eternal life, they want their hope to be exactly what they have right now. They want the world to be as it is. Do not offer something beyond that because we cannot imagine that. So it must be untrue then. It must be out there. The Sadducees, the world, are like a child in a slum making a mud pie because they cannot understand or dare to imagine what it means to have eternal life offered to them. They misunderstand the resurrection of the dead. Before we go any farther, let me clarify some of what it is the Sadducees is even offering what they are talking about when they bring up this this law that is mentioned in the Old Testament, the one of uh, if a a brother dies, the widow goes to the next brother for them to raise up the children as their own. This is a law that even by Jesus' time had become what is called a dead law. It was no longer practiced or followed. But even the origin of that law was created because there were two groups of people who often fell into destitution and despair the most. And what were those two groups of people? Women and children, children, but specifically widows and orphans. And so the law was actually given as a way of protection, as something uh, for the widow to have hope for her own future at that time, so that she would have a home to go live in and that the orphans would actually have a father figure and be taken care of and have a table before themselves. They did not have any sort of system to fall back on. There was no Social Security at this time. For those of you that remember time before Social Security, you can understand the fear. And so the Sadducees are pulling out this law that, that they really had to dust off. They really had to... To bring it in front of Jesus in order for him to respond to it. And they didn't even understand that law. They didn't even understand the purpose behind it. That Jesus doesn't answer them in the way that they hope. Because the way that Jesus answers them is not to debate the law that they put before him, but to talk about the resurrection but to talk about what that resurrection even means. He points out that what they are trying to measure eternal life with is the very world that they are in now and the way things are now. But let me ask you this question. Is now what you want to hope for? Is right now the hope that you have? If I were to tell you that same argument, to put before you that your eternal life is to be like right now, is that what you would want? Certainly, this sermon preaches itself now. Turn on your news. Is that what you want right now? Do we want our eternal life to look like the wars that we have had? Or have? Walk outside this door. Do we want our eternal life to include a time and a place where people have to sleep out on the streets? Where drugs are part of everyday life and alcohol consumes to an extent that they are not recognizable? Man wants to make mud pies, but the Lord is inviting us to something else. He's inviting us to a time and a place where there will be no more tears. He's inviting us to a time and a place where there is actually peace. Where brothers speak to each other as brothers. He's inviting us to a time and a place where the presence of God is what we know for life. Brothers and sisters, do not confuse the resurrection of the dead to be right now. Do not confuse the resurrection of the dead to think that your relationships will be the same, that they will be the ones that we know now which are actually full of sin, of disappointment, of anger and frustration. Sure, we have our moments of love, but we have our moments of suffering as well. Christ is providing us with something else. Not just a hope that what I can build in this world right now is a kingdom. No, a hope that goes beyond that and goes beyond the grave into eternity. And we have that hope because he's already shown us a resurrection of the dead. He's shown us the glory of his own resurrection, the first fruits of the dead, the one to rise from the grave. And in his rising from the grave, going and preaching the good news that we too will have this eternal life. A hope not just for ourselves that goes beyond the grave, but all of those saints who now rest. The ones whose names we read off and remembered last week. We're not called to follow the wisdom of this world, a wisdom that Scripture itself calls folly. It calls itself crafty, and God looks at and laughs. But he calls us to a hope, a hope of eternal life. But that hope doesn't just stay in the future. That hope isn't just something that we put on the back of our mind or on the shelf that whenever I start to fear things, I pull it out and look at. But hope that actually helps me confront the life that we have now. A hope that takes away that fear of death. A hope that helps me get through these wars and these trials and these tribulations knowing that there is a future when it will be different. A hope that speaks not only of a future that is different, but a hope that tells me of the strength of God who has come to us to make that future different now. To not cling to these fears. To not fall into these temptations. But to know of something different. This is your future. This is your life now. One that is full of eternity. In the presence of God. Let us imagine beyond our mud pies. And rejoice in what the Lord has for us. Amen. Amen. Amen.